this is Mike Dilt with the Relax Back UK show on UK Health Radio, your global real feel-good radio station. On the Relax Back UK show we explore all kinds of health topics, so keep listening and enjoy the ride. Yes, hi and welcome to the Relax Back UK show with me, Mike Dilk. A fantastic show lined up for you this week. Doran Binder is a man on a mission and with a lot of energy to make it happen. So after about three or four months of bottling it, I'm going out selling it and everywhere I go, people are like, wow, I didn't know water could taste like that. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, and that's interesting. Doran ended up owning a pub via a different sort of route. It wasn't really his plan. The pub has its own water supply, which he is now bottling and selling. And he's become a water expert and the whole experience has set him off on a fantastic journey. This is the first of two episodes with Doran. The next one is gonna be a water tasting. He actually sent me a load of different waters in, in bottles, lots of different sorts of water in bottles and uh, me tasting that and him taking me through it. There's a video uh, on that. I found the whole thing absolutely fascinating and that'll be the topic of the show next week. Before we get on with the show, I just wanna blow the trumpet a little bit of UK Health Radio and to some extent um, the trumpet of this show, the Relax Back UK show. UK Health Radio is now in its 11th year of broadcasting 24 seven and is firmly established as the world's number one talk health radio station. And sponsorship of UKHR really guarantees sponsors repeated opportunity to maximize brand awareness on a national and global basis. Uh, a new alliance with Audio Boom means that all the UK health radio show shows are available on the world's most popular podcast platforms. So check out what else is on offer on UK Health Radio once you've listened to this episode, of course. So on with Doran Binder's story. I asked him how he went from the fast-paced world of fashion to running a pub with its own water supply. Oh, Mike, I wish I knew. It's like I've been taken on this journey that's just turned my life on its head, and, and I'm just so grateful. So basically the story is... is um, 2016, unfortunately, I had to get divorced um, and I needed somewhere to live that was near my children. There was a pub 900 meters away from my family home that had been failing for about 10 years. Um, but it was a beautiful property. So I spoke to the owners and they were desperate to get out. And I thought it could be perfect. It's, you know, I, I'm teetotal. I've never drunk alcohol in my life. So um, I'm not a fan of pubs. Um, but this being a failing one attracted me in a beautiful site near my children. Um, and I thought it would make a great base for me to live. Um, I thought I'll run the pub for a year, see how it goes before we make any decisions on it, see how viable it isn't. The other the people I bought it from were cash only and they didn't really have books on it. They just told me it was failing and, and it had no future. So um, I was quite pleased with that. And um, I made them an offer. They accepted it. And I thought I'll run it for a year. I'll get a manager in get somebody to live here, they can run it, see what we do. And then in a year's time, make a decision. So at the time I'm working um, in New York, so I'm commuting backwards and forwards, 
And um, on one of my trips back to the UK, somebody told me just by complete coincidence, said, you know, you need to get your water tested at the pub because you've got your own water supply and you're a commercial property. And I went, no. And they went, yeah. And I thought, oh, God, here we go. So because the pub's 300 years old, it doesn't matter what you do here. It's about 10 grand. So I've hung a picture before and you end up with 10 grand's worth of damage because you've got 300 years of bodging history in this building. Sure. So anytime I think of a job, it's, it's 10 grand comes to my head. Did you even so, know um, the pub had its own water supply at this, at this, yeah. at this stage? Yeah. Yeah, I did. But everybody locally has their own water supply because we're off grid in effect. We're in the Peak District. We're in a little village called Wild Boar Clough. Um, so everybody's off grid. Um, we have electricity, but there's no gas. There's no uh, water. So everyone has their own, own supplies. Um, so that, that's all I knew. So that's pretty common around here. We had our own spring 900 meters away, but every time it rained, the water would come out brown and it was muddy, horrible water. So I just assumed it was all the same water. Um, so I invited Blair Water around. They're a company in Potshrigley locally in, um, in the Peak District, and they've been testing the water for 20 years. So I thought they'd better come around and tell me what's going on with it. Um, and, and that's all I knew. It was just the water supplying the pub. I didn't know anything else at that point about water. Or actually, all I knew at that point about water, Mike, was that if I walked into my grandparents' house in Edgware, North London, with a bottle of water, my nana would rip it out of my hand, throw it in the bin, and tell me there's nothing wrong with tap. So at that point, that's all I knew about water in my life, okay, which was nothing. So Richard Taylor walks in through that door there, October 2017, and he opened the door and he pointed at me and he went, oh, do you know how good your water is, mate? And I went, no. And he said, I told Ian and Janet for 20 years they should be bottling and selling it and they ignored me. And I went, random. I said, how do you know the water's so good? He said, I'm a geologist. I've been drilling water all over the world for 40 years. It's the best water I've ever drilled by a mile. It's a complete fluke. Um, you've hit a vein of gold coming off Shutlands Low, which is the hill that we're at the bottom of. Um, there's nothing geologically to indicate good water in this area, but you just happen to hit a vein of gold. And, and I went, right. I said, well, what happens next? He said, uh, you'd need to get it accredited and tested. It'll cost you five grand. It'll take a year. And at that point, I can prove whether I'm right or wrong. But until then, it's just my opinion. And you can't do anything with that. And that one conversation, Mike, was like a frying pan around the back of my head. It's like it just excited me. See, I don't know, hopefully you've never been through a divorce and hopefully you never will go through a divorce, but it's pretty grim, especially when there's children involved. It's just such a low moment in my life. And that one conversation with Richard kind of reinvigorated me and made me tingle with excitement. And I'd been so flipping low for so long. And I was like, wow, how powerful was that conversation? And I thought, okay, well, Richard's testing the water. And I thought, well, if he's right, I've got a debt to Mother Nature here because basically potentially saved my life. And because I was that low, I just, you know, I was just drifting around in jet lag and in a in a fog really of of mess. Um so so were, you, I were you still working in fashion at this point as well? Yeah, well it was hair. So I was involved in hair. So I'm still commuting battles and forwards, which means I've got loads of spare time in airports and hotels. And I'm a brilliant daydream. I think daydream is such an important thing in life. You know, we completely <laughs> underestimate the power of daydreaming and it's something that should be nurtured. So I, I, I'm a brilliant daydreamer and, um, and I love it. Uh, and I would just sit around playing with ideas in my head and different concepts. And I thought, actually, do you know what? If Richard's right about this water, I'll make sure that everything we do with this water from this point onwards, if he's right, is as environmentally friendly as possible. So um, reusable glass bottles only. We deliver in crates. The bottles are washed and reused. 
And what got me onto that journey was the insanity of single-use glass and single-use plastic, which is, it just should be illegal, especially single-use glass. Because I've got bottles that are four or five years in, in circulation. They're still working. They still look brand new. But we use a glass bottle once, and we put it in a grey bin, and we pat ourselves on the back like we've done something heroic and miraculous. We use the bottle once, and we put it in a grey bin. Well, that bottle then gets transported somewhere, crushed somewhere, and turned back into what it was in the first place, which to me is embarrassing. And we <laughs> should do of, yeah. something about that. Put, put like that, it really is kind of bonkers, isn't it? It's insane, especially when you consider, Mike, that 30 years ago, this was normal reusing glass bottles. It's only the last 30 years we've moved away from reusing to recycling. And sure. to me, I just don't understand the point. So for me, I thought, right, well, if Richard's right, it's going to be reusable glass bottles only. And that then made me realize and learn through that journey that actually a lot of people who drink bottled water buy it in plastic because glass is much heavier to carry. So people are default buying plastic because they have no choice because they can't carry, carry glass from the supermarket to the car. Um, and I thought, well, if we did it in a, in a reusable crate and we delivered to people's doors and they subscribe to it, to one crate minimum every four weeks, and we pick up the empties and they're washed and reused, would that work? And yeah, and what it's taught me is that um, if you come up with an environmentally friendly initiative that is more convenient and equally priced, people switch automatically because right. you've given them a solution to a problem. And, okay. that, and that's so been... I, I totally get that. Let's let's just rewind a little bit to this this water testing. So your your water tester said, right, you've got to wait a year. So what what were, presumably the results were good, but can you give a kind of a bit more detail than other than the results well, were good? Well, interestingly, so after about three months of Richard coming into my life, and I'm working on this reusable concept in my head, working on you know just in case he's right, that's what I'm going to do with it. And then Blue Planet came out on BBC. Right. And yeah, I'm watching yeah. Blue Planet at home, uh, upstairs, thinking, oh, my God, this is, the, you know, this is incredible. This is raising awareness in a level that's never happened before. And then two weeks later, Sky Classic in the Oceans came out. And I'm watching these programs thinking, if Richard's right and I get to launch this product in this environmentally friendly way, the timing is absolutely perfect. Is he right? Is, at the time, I still didn't know if he's right or not. So in the back of my mind, I don't know how you are, but I kind of like to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. So I was kind of hoping that Richard was right, but prepared that it all sounds too good to be true. And that's how I approached the whole thing, because bottling water does sound crazy. Um, and then a year, and then he rang me February 17, sorry, February 2018. Um, I'm in New York, and he rings me up, and he tells me, you know, he said, I've got the results. And he starts reeling off numbers, and I went, Richard, stop, it doesn't mean anything to me. And he said, okay, trust me, hand your notice in now, get a taxi to the airport, sell everything you own, borrow everything you can borrow, and get bottling this water because it will fly. And I went, I'm in. And I did. And, and it kind of came at the perfect time in my life, you know, and I, that's kind of the other thing it's taught me is that timing is so important on these little adventures that we go on. And if you time it right, which is luck, you know, I've had so many that I've timed wrong over the last 40 years. <laughs> Don't worry about that. So it's nice to get one right, <laughs> timing-wise, which is magnificent. So, so uh, the, I mean, the, the timing was brilliant. I mean, you could argue it was luck, but you do yeah. make your own luck, or you have to be in the right frame of mind to take advantage yeah. of the luck when it comes your way. So it sounds like you yeah. were, and you jumped on it. Yeah. Yeah, I jumped on it, but it was almost, for me, it was a, um, it was, I suppose it's part of my journey where I was in my life at the time. I needed it, Mike. I needed to cleanse myself of everything. I needed to sell everything I owned. I needed no reminders of my previous life. And it kind of helped me on that journey of self-cleansing 
and coming through the other side yeah. with a completely unexpected, risky adventure that I firmly believed in from day one. I knew this would not fail. I knew it would work. I knew the only thing that the only reason it would fail would be me. I was the weakest link in the operation. And that's so you got kind a pub. of how I you, you, you yeah. got a pub with a back room and a load of water bubbling up. Did you have to pump it up or does it just kind of bubble up out of the ground? How does it work? No, so it, it so we are the, the water source that we have here is an underground aquifer and it's 27 meters below where I stand now, where I'm talking to you. And um, we're at the bottom of a valley. So basically what happens in the world of naturally occurring water is that when it rains, the rain soaks into the ground. Yeah. And the ground obviously has minerality and geology. So as that water's soaking through the ground, it's being filtered by Mother Nature. And at the same time, as it's being filtered by Mother Nature, it's picking up the geology, uh, the minerality that's in the, ge the local geology, which is why all of these naturally occurring waters are different and unique. So just like with wine, where you get terroir, you can have two identical grapevines growing in completely different fields, yielding different flavor wine due to the minerality in the soil that the ro roots are absorbing. And this is exactly the same principle in naturally occurring water. It's just no one flipping talks about it, which makes it so incredible. And that's why they are different. Right. So so you, you pump it up or, or it, it bubbles up. What? Sorry. No, so, so it's 27 metres below the ground. So, there's yep. a, so basically there's a 27 metre, six inch diameter hole that's yep. drilled in. The whole thing is encased, so it's sealed off. There's no, there's no oxygen and there's no daylight down there. Um, so basically what happens is as soon as we open a tap in this building, uh, we have a pressure vessel in the building. As soon as the pressure in the vessel drops, it fires the pump at the bottom of the borehole and pumps it into the building. So the building is literally five meters away from Brilliant. the source. Yeah. And, that, and that's kind of how it works. Right. So then, so you kind of had this water, which you could turn a tap on. But what do you do next? Because presumably you didn't have any bottles. You didn't, or, or, you know, you didn't know about bottling and refilling and purification this seems like quite a steep learning curve yeah no massive learning curve so i reached out to a company called the fine water society who are based in america and they run fine waters and um they, again they're another a big water specialist company and, and and i reached out to a few people that was so good to me and held my hand and without them I wouldn't have done it. So there's Blair Water that without them, I wouldn't have done it. Fine Water Society. But a key part in all of this was um, I started bottling it. And, and I'm on my own, Mike. So I'm watching bottles by hand. Day one, 75 grand, by the way, just to get in the game. Equipment, bottles, crates, bits and pieces. And, um, and, and, and I started just bottling it. by hand, is it? That amount of money. Yeah, you me, kind on of literally... me on my own. Me washing bottles by hand for the first two years on my own in that room doing a milk round three nights a week because I ran out of money. So I needed to work three nights a week so I could keep in the game and just keep it ticking over. So I didn't take a wage and, and I'm kind of just rolling it over, a bit like a lottery win, really, just keep rolling it over and, and hoping that one day it's, it's going to grow. So after about three or four months of bottling it, I'm going out selling it. And everywhere I go, people are like, wow, I didn't know water could taste like that. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, and that's interesting. So I'm, I'm like playing along with it, learning. And then a company called Salacious Drinks, um, Washington, D.C., an online water boutique, got in touch with me in July 2018. And they, they got in touch and they said, like, they sell the finest waters in the world. We'd love to try your water. And I just thought, oh, no, this is where I get rumbled. This is the, this is the <laughs> end of the journey. Honestly, that's exactly what I thought. And I, I was scared to send them the water. Anyway, so I sent them a box of water. And then a week later, we had a, a, a Skype meeting. And, 
And they said, it's one of the finest waters I've ever tasted. And I went, F off, are you mad? And they went, no. And I'm like, why? And they started explaining why. And at that point, I realized now I need to study. I need to understand because water is clearly not water. And I've learned that now the hard way. Mm-hmm. And, and now I need to understand why and what makes water different. And that was the beginning of me certifying to become a sommelier. Right. A water sommelier. Yeah. So we, we spoke a little bit about you becoming a, a sommelier last time. Give us a potted version of that. But then more importantly, go on to just explain sort of why some waters are better than others. And why your particular why you like your particular water, and why other people seem to as well? Okay, so if we just start with the difference, then, well, what's the difference between tap water and naturally occurring water? So, um, a, bit, a quick quick word on tap water. So, tap water, reservoir water, surface water, rain water, flush your toilet water, borehole water, any water they can get hold of, basically. That water is then filtered at the waste treatment plants, and then blended in laboratories with fluoride and chlorine, depending on whether there's fluoride added in your local region in England or not. Interestingly enough, in Scotland, it's deemed mass medication. They took it to court. So fluoride cannot be added in Scotland, which I thought I think is very interesting that our nearest neighbour deem it mass medication. But in England, 9 million people are exposed to fluoride in their water, and the water, local water companies can add it at any point on the recommendation of the local environmental health agency, and they can add up to one milligram per litre. So fluoride occurs naturally, and fluoride occurs... Um, unnaturally. So naturally occurring fluoride, as an example, in our water is at 0.06 milligrams per litre, just to give you an idea. And the water companies can add up to one milligram per litre on the advice of the local environmental health agency. And I just think consumers should be made aware in the local region, if fluoride is being added, they should be made aware that we are now adding fluoride to your water, because at the moment they can do it and not notify anybody. Possibly also made aware of the bonus that fluoride does to um, keeping your health, stopping your, stopping, stopping your teeth rotting as well. You know, they should... Well, it's interesting because, uh, yeah, I'm not for or against fluoride. I just know that there is massive division around fluoride and, um, and I just think it should be a debate and we should be aware. So I'm not for or against. I'm not a scientist. I don't know. But I know there are people who are really passionate about it. Um, so, so that's basically... So basically, the tap water is processed water municipal chlorinated tap water the chlorine is in the water purely to kill the bacteria in the water it's there for no other reason Hmm. um so that's municipal chlorinated tap water however naturally just point out killing the bacteria in the water probably a good thing yeah but having water that tastes and smells of a swimming pool probably isn't Uh, yeah probably one it's hard to have might be hard to have one without the other but certainly we've all we've all we've all drunk Sorry. I think we've all drunk water from a tap and thought, oh, this is a bit chlorine today. And it's, yeah, it's not as nice. There's no question about that. Correct. So the answer to that is naturally occurring water, which doesn't have the bacteria in it and doesn't have the chlorine in it. So that's kind of really the difference. So, so, that, so that's tap water, processed water. Naturally occurring water is the organic version of water, um, which is untouched by man. So as we explained before, the water rains, it gets filtered by the local uh, geology, picks up minerality, and is filtered and blended by Mother Nature, bottled at the source, controlled by local environmental uh, health agency and trading standards. So they're they're the differences. Now, any bottled water in the UK that doesn't say natural mineral spring, because they are the only three words that are protected. So if it doesn't say natural mineral spring, it could be anything. So, and this is something when I found out is critical. Because if we're buying bottled water that is 
filtered tap, aka purified water, we're being ripped off. We can filter tap at home. Um, we don't need to be buying plastic bottles filtered tap water, which in my opinion should probably even be illegal because what's the point? It's just misleading and people are not aware. And that's kind of my message. You know, we're just making sure that people know if you buy buying bottled water, natural mineral spring is the premium of the category. It's the whole point so that people can identify what's the difference between them. It's just nobody seems to know what these words mean. No. And that's thanking you for spreading that message. That. Do you, have you got any idea how much bottled water that's sold, well, in, in the UK, that is not uh, natural mineral or spring? So it just comes out of a tap somewhere and put in a bottle. Okay, well, first of all, nobody admits that they, you know, really, they take it out of a tap and they put it into a bottle. It's all smoke and mirrors. So yeah. this is why I think it's so important that we now raise awareness of the most important liquid on the planet to human beings, especially in a country like ours, where we are blessed with naturally occurring water sources. We have enough rain to, to have, you know, beautiful water. So we just need to be aware, but it's almost like we're starved by only fools and horses. Peckham Springs, mate, water's water, in it? And I hear that all the time, and it's not true. That's the frustrating thing. It's just not true. It's, you know, water is not water. Let, let, let's talk about the taste a little bit. So the water that yeah. you have, it, 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 it's in an aquifer. It, it goes across rocks and picks up minerals. What, what sort of rocks does it go over? And, you know, what sort of minerals does it pick up? Okay, brilliant question. So um, minerality is everything when it comes to water. I used to think that pH was the important driver. It's not. Because our skin is 7.5. Uh, the, the acidic parts of our gut could be one. So when people get obsessed with pH, or some people are obsessed with high alkaline water, which is just a complete marketing scam. Um, uh, so, so TDS, total dissolved solids, is the driver of taste flavor in water. What is total dissolved solids? So they take a liter of the water, they boil it, and the white powder at the end of that evaporation process is the measurement of minerality of the water. So Let's start with distilled water has a measurement of zero TDS. It's just H2O, which is why it's great for your car battery, um, but not very good for the human body. So if we start with Loritana, which has a TDS, total dissolved solids of 14, tells you on the label. Um, they call themselves a mineral water, which in my opinion is completely misleading because when you are basically naturally occurring distilled water, there's hardly any minerality in this water. So they shouldn't be called a mineral water, in my opinion. So what does this water taste like? So when you drink extreme low minerality water, what the water's doing when it's in your mouth, it's soaking away the lining of your mouth and it's absorbing the minerality in your body. And when you drink this water, you feel it. You can taste it. It leaves my mouth feeling dry. It's like tacky. I can't, I, I struggle to talk with Loritana. And what's driving that mouthfeel is that extreme low mineral. So when I'm talking to you now, my lips are dry, top of my tongue and the top of my mouth are dry, and it's really hard for me to speak. Um, and that's what extreme low minerality is. The taste of the water is crisp and sharp, um, but it's still a naturally occurring water, which I love. Right? Presumably now, there, there compare, are some people that actually like that aspect. It's like, you know, some oh, yeah. people like dry wine, some people like sweet wine. Absolutely right. Now, what I find in my water tasting is that young people seem to prefer the extreme low TDS water. So another example of extreme low TDS water is Voss, 
which is TDS 4-0. So any water below 50 gives you that dry mouthfeel. But young people seem to like it. But when it comes to food pairings and water, an extreme low TDS water would be a lovely water to eat or to drink with sushi, for instance. I mean, really delicate flavors. It's not going to mm-hmm. take away because as we go up in minerality, you'll see, and I'm going to send you some bottles because you need to try these because otherwise you think I'm loopy and mad. But when you taste it and you can taste the difference, it's actually staggering. So Loritana 14 TDS, hardly anything in it minerality-wise. Crag 120. Now, so we're still low. This is extreme low. Now, the right. difference between Crag and Loritana is calcium and magnesium are the main hard mineral differences. And, what, and the way that those minerals interact give Crag a creamy, smooth, silky mouthfeel. And everywhere I go with it, it's the first thing people say, and it has been from day one. I didn't know water could taste like that. It's like it's silky water. Right. I'm, I'm just going to describe what I can see at the moment, all right, because I'm loving this whole story. So you're a landlord. You're a teetotaler. You, you don't drink alcohol. And you're in front of your bar at the minute, and behind is just rows and rows of um, water bottles. It's, it's, it's fantastic. I just like the whole story. Thank you, you, mate. You, you do sell, I'm presuming you do sell alcohol at your pub as well. The, the pub at the moment is open four hours a week. The more the pub is open, the more money you lose. So okay. the pub, when it's open, doesn't cover the wages. So if you have one person behind the bar, the pub will not cover their wages, never mind make any money. So basically right. what happens with the pub is the more it's open, the more it loses, which is why the water is going to ensure the pub has a future forever but it just won't be based on alcohol now we're surrounded by pubs in the area there's no shortage of pubs and scampi and chips believe me (laughs) they're in abundance there's a shortage of customers not pubs which is why in a way it's kind of perfect to turn this in because now we're going to turn this into an attraction so people will now come here i do school visits now making kids aware it's so important it's only the most important now well interestingly enough as we're talking about this now mike one of the things i've discovered and this is to me absolutely shocking as we go up in minerality, it gets so exciting. But there's one water I just need to talk to you about, Chateau 1650. Now, this water's been bottled since 1650. And since 1650, it's been the water of the, of the Vatican, monarchs all across Europe, politicians, business people. And before it was bottled at 1650, Roman soldiers used to fill their vessels up at the source on their way to battle because they knew this water gave them superpowers, and that's what they believed. Now, what I've learned on my... On my journey, one of the most amazing things is that the elites have known about the power of naturally occurring water for hundreds of years. And I believe that we are drinking processed chlorinated swimming pool water because it's we've been convinced that water's water, mate, and not to give it a second thought. But yet the elites know about this and the importance and how important it is on the human body. And that leads to the second part of the whole adventure. So... January last year, this book arrives in the post, The Drinking Water Cure, anonymously arrives in the post, which kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with you ever read the book or heard of the book. No, I haven't, no. Um, anyway, so I, I read the book in a day, and I decided the next day to double my water intake as an experiment because I now understand for the first time in my life how important water is on the human body, and I'm reading it. And I said, okay, I'm going to do an experiment. I'll go from two litres to four litres. January 22, this was. So about 14 months ago. Unbelievable. 
is just absolutely staggering. And and part of this that started the journey. But what I now understand, Mike, it's absolutely clear, is that the the human body can live weeks, months potentially without eating food, two to three days without water, and we are dead. Now that to me sums up the human body's relationship with food and water. But we are trained overeaters from birth in a consumer world. So breakfast being the most important meal of the day was invented by John Harvey Kellogg in the early 19th century because he had a shed load of cornflakes to be flogging. So he invents this meal now, first thing in the day meal. Breakfast could have been at lunchtime because breakfast is obviously breaking the fast. Um, but, but basically what I now understand, what I'm learning, and most of the, the material I've produced now is the importance of good quality water and the human body that's made of water, which to me now is absolutely logical and makes complete sense. Uh, and I'm talking to more and more people in, with medical backgrounds, and uh, and this seems to be absolutely clear. It's critical, but yet well, no one talks about it. I don't, I've never heard anyone talking about the importance of drinking good quality water. To me, you know, and, and that's, that's where my passion comes from, because when I found this out, I thought, Everybody needs to know this. This is our basic human right. We are made of water. Our brain is 70% water. We can function dehydrated, yeah? The book, you know, all the stuff I'm reading, you know, we can function just like a plant can survive dehydrated. But as soon as we're rehydrated, it's the most important thing to the body because it's what we're made of. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is absolutely fascinating. So I, I basically, after three months of doubling my water intake, Realize that I'm now eating one meal a day because I'm not hungry anymore. I've lost 10 kilos from 96 to 86 kilos without even knowing. Nothing else changed in my life apart from I just learned naturally that I don't need to eat three meals a day. That's not how we evolved as a species. We didn't wake up thousands of years ago and what's for breakfast, love? We had to go and find it. We had to go and earn it. And then... And that's how the body evolved. But when we now ask modern humans to go on a diet, restrict the calorie intake three times a day, it's doomed for failure. And I think it's deliberate failure because no one stands a chance. You can't make three sacrifices a day for the rest of your life. It's never going to work. Whereas now with fasting, what I'm understanding is an OMAD, for example, one meal a day. Um, I fast, I eat between five and six in the evening. I can eat whatever I want in that hour. I'm vegetarian, gluten-free, by the way. Um, and and and, and the, I, my body is in. I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm 50 years old. I work out. I look after myself. I'm in the best shape of my life, and I now understand that we're trained overeaters from birth. Right. And we, we miss lunch. We miss lunch. We think we're starving, Mike. We think we deserve some sort of a medal because we miss lunch. We're starving. We can live for weeks without eating food. We've just forgotten that. Sure. Well, certainly, what is very apparent from talking to you is just. How much you love water and love your water and what kind of want to sp spread the word and just get people talking about water. And so there's no question you've made me think differently about water. Um, just this, this idea that you've had of, of, like the naughty corner of some if, if water doesn't say natural mineral or spring on the bottle, it's probably out of a tap. So, you know, cut out the middleman and just drink it out the tap. <laughs> Correct. So I'm going to show you some examples now um, of my naughty corner water. And, and believe it or not, it's not just the, the little boys that are doing this. So Lucas Ace Fit Water, purified electrolyte water for hydration. And at the bottom, it even tells you zero sugar, right? This is a bottle of water, Mike. 
It shouldn't have sugar in it. Now, interestingly as well, on the label here, it tells you added chlorine. Wow. Wow. We need to we need to start reading these things because you know it's there's a whole story on here, but because there's no awareness about it, I never read a label in my life before I knew this. I didn't think there was anything to read. Marcus Spencer's mountain water. It sounds like in the background that's that's an order coming in for several hundred bottles of your water. It was a phone, but they've gone away. It stopped ringing. Sorry about that. That's all right. <laughs> Marks and Spencer's mountain water. Mountain Good water is, a, is not... It could be anything. Could be, you might as well put it Marks and Spencer's magic water. But why are Marks and Spencer's doing this? Are they doing it because they don't know? Are they doing it because what? Why would Marks and Spencer's, a top brand, have anything for sale other than the premium of the category? natural mineral or spring water. Now, I reckon it's awareness. I reckon Marks and Spencer's potentially don't know. Now, the worst of the lot, smart water, okay? This is a story in itself. It tells you on the label what they do, okay? So I'm not, you know, you can read, buy a bottle of smart water, it tells you on the label. So in the United Kingdom, what smart water do, owned by Coca-Cola, is they start with the spring water, and then they vaporize the spring water. They bottle the distilled vaporized water with now no minerality in it. And then they add a tiny amount of salt, call it electrolytes, and call it smart in a plastic bottle. Now, I've done videos on this. They call it a glacial water, by the way, smart glacial water. I've, gone, I've done a video and I've rang up Coca-Cola and asked them, what's the connection between smart water and glacier? And they admit it's pure marketing. It's there for, I've, I've done this on my TikTok channel. They admit it. It's there for marketing only. Now, in the United States, what they do is they vaporize tap water. The end result is the same. So that's why Coca-Cola do it, because they want you, where it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you buy a bottle of smart water and it tastes the same rubbish. And that's what they want. They want you to think that water's water, mate. Don't give it a second thought. And that's a smart bottle of water. Well, it's anything but smart. I spend a right. lot of time calling out Buxton water owned by Nestle. So one of the conditions of natural mineral in spring is that you bottle at the source. Nestle pump that three miles from the source at St. Anne's to the bottling plant. Now, the whole point of the regs is so that the consumer is aware of the premium of the category, natural mineral and spring. If the regs state you have to bottle at source, why on earth are these people allowed to pump it three miles before it goes in a bottle? So, awareness, Mike. That's all I want to do now is spread the word so people know what they're buying. Lot, okay, lot, lots, of, lots of questions, lots of interesting stuff. But if, if people are listening to this and thinking, hmm, all right. I didn't know any of this. I would like to just sort of find out a bit more. I've got a feeling you might have a website that uh, c can give people a lot more information about this sort of stuff. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So this, yeah, what if is people it? are interested, well, so, I might, so my, all I talk about on my social media, Beaded Water Sommelier on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook, and that's all I do is I just spend every day, post two or three videos talking about what's the difference. So today I posted a video What's the difference between natural mineral and spring water? What is the difference? The difference is nothing. The difference is tiny. To call yourselves a mineral water, you just have to show two years' worth of recording data of stable minerality, and you can change the name from spring to mineral if you wanted to do. So if I wanted to call crag, crag mineral water, not crag spring water, I would just do that. It would probably take me two or three weeks to do that. However, because we are low TDS, to me, we're a spring water. We're not a mineral water. Sure. Same with Loritana. That shouldn't be a mineral water. It's a spring water. But, again, there is nobody policing. 
the regulations. Nobody. And I find that absolutely fascinating. All, all this is very interesting. Now, I'm going to ask, just to finish with, I'm going to ask you a, um, a, a question or a favour, because I think it might be fun. Maybe in the future, a few weeks, we could arrange uh, a, a, a testing online. So, because yeah, you, you said you do testing, uh, water tastings at your pub. Perhaps we can try and do one via Zoom, um, because I would be fascinated. And I, and I think that might be fun to do. Um, but certainly for now, um, I've, I've, I've picked your brains, your water brains for a, a while. So it's absolutely fascinating. So thank you very much. Absolute pleasure, Mike. And thank you for giving me an opportunity to spread the word because it's so important and we're only made of it. And it's only the most important liquid on the planet to human beings. And we need to at least show it appreciation. So thank you. You're extremely welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much to my guest on the show this week, who was Darren Binder of Crag Spring Water. Absolutely wonderful story. And next week, it's going to continue because he sent me some water and we're going to have a tasting session on the show, including some Crag Spring Water, but other waters as well. So again, thank you very much to Doran and thank you to you for listening and have a healthy week until next week. the Relaxed Back UK show with me, Mike Dill. Thank you for listening and please do join us again next time.